This is Your Partners in Pain, a podcast that aims to bring together those who live with pain, healthcare providers who treat chronic pain, and researchers working on topics that affect people living with pain. This podcast is a must-listen for anyone experiencing pain or anyone trying to help those who live with it. Your Partners in Pain is presented by the Saskatchewan Pain Society, also known as SAS Pain, and I am your host, Alexandria. Each episode, we are going to speak to Saskatchewan-based healthcare providers and researchers who have information and education to share about pain science and pain care. We are also going to speak with everyday people as they share their incredible stories of living with pain and the techniques they've used to help manage it and live well. It is important to note that the information presented in this podcast represents the opinions of the host and the guests that appear on the show and not that of SAS Pain. The content presented should not be taken as direct healthcare advice, but for informational purposes only. Because each individual is unique, please consult your healthcare provider for any questions or concerns you have, or before you incorporate any of the ideas presented in this podcast into your own treatment plan. For episode four, we are speaking to Ross McCreary. Ross is an incredible advocate in the Saskatchewan chronic pain community and abroad, where he shares his own experiences of living with complex regional pain syndrome, also known as CRPS. Ross is the founder of CRPS Awareness Day in Saskatchewan, which falls on November 2nd. He is a board member of the Saskatchewan Pain Society, and he is actively involved as a patient family advisor for various research endeavors. He is a published writer and speaker, has an amazing website and blog called Painfully Optimistic, and today he's going to tell us all about his chronic pain journey and the importance of patience and persistence. Ross, thank you so much for taking the time to join us today. I have been following your journey online through your awesome blog for a while now, so I am really excited to have you here so that you can share your story with more folks. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. I mean, uh, you know, any opportunity that I get to to share this story, uh, you know, I take. And so I, I value being asked to be here today. Well, thank you. And we appreciate it too. But to start, can you explain to listeners what is complex regional pain syndrome? Complex regional pain syndrome is a neurological uh autoimmune disorder. Um, It has to do with the peripheral nerves. There's not a lot known about it. And so really what most people relate to what is CRPS is the, the extreme chronic pain that you get from it, the burning sensation that an individual sometimes has and all the other symptoms. But it is believed to be that the peripheral nervous system has in some way become affected. Well, and can you explain, like in your experience, what does that kind of feel like when you're saying pain? Are there specific sensations that are occurring? Like physiologically, what's happening? That's where that's where things are a bit different for the individual because what they're fine and what makes it so so difficult to uh, diagnose. Part of the problem is that every every individual that's diagnosed with CRPS is diagnosed 
from a um, individual set of, of symptoms that they deal with. So for myself, I get the burning, the burning sensation. I was, I'm affected in my, my left side of my body, basically. So it started in my left wrist and hand and went down and went down into my left uh, ankle. And for me, it's a burning sensation that I get. It's an excruciating uh, nerve pain that I get. And people don't often relate nerve pain or, or separate nerve pain from just regular muscle pain. There is a there is a if you've ever had a toothache or or had some tooth you know, had some tooth dental surgery done, then you'll know what nerve pain feels like. It's the most um, excruciating pain you've ever felt. So that is a secondary or another symptom that I deal with. I deal with some hair loss. I deal with some atrophy of the of the limbs. I deal with. Um, some waxiness of the skin. So there's, there is a lot of swelling. Uh, not everybody has swelling with uh, associated with, but I do have extreme swelling that comes with. So, you know, these are just some of the symptoms that people, the, the symptoms that people deal with, but um, you know, the, the, the primary are obviously the pain, the swelling and the burning. Absolutely. Can you tell us a little bit more about your personal story? What was your life like prior to being diagnosed with CRPS? Was there anything in particular that set it off for you? For me, uh, you know, <laughs> I'd worked really hard to, do, to, to to put a career in place for myself. Um, you know, I'd, with, I'd been with the same company for about 10, 15 years I uh, had worked myself up into a senior management position. I was active. I was doing a lot of hiking. I was doing, a lot, you know, I was just, I was constantly out and, and active in life. When I was uh, diagnosed, we were, we had just gotten back from China with our first daughter and, and had adopted our first daughter. And then all of a sudden, six months after arriving home, I had to have a, a surgery done to remove a lipoma or a, a cyst off of my off of my left wrist. And within 24 hours of having that surgery done, my entire arm right from fingertips right to shoulder was this, I mean, triple, you know, I'm 100 times the size. I mean, I, it didn't even look like my arm any longer. And Along with that, I was getting the, that burning and that and that um, excruciating nerve pain. You know, we went back to the doctor, figuring you know, figuring it had to be something post-operatively that might be an issue, and that's what the doctor thought originally. And he said, "No, nope, it's just post-operative swelling." But that's where my wife, as a nurse, uh, you know, and and what she recognized as you know, no, this isn't just post-operative swelling. And, uh, you know, we, it, it, it turned into a journey of probably saying, seeing 15, 10 to 15 doctors, at least here in our city uh, and across the province, and nobody here could diagnose it. So I ended up having to fly out to Vancouver and, and see somebody out there who diagnosed me instantly when I walked into his office. That sounds incredibly painful and frustrating and you're coming out of something that's supposed to be just a really simple procedure and then to have that happen that sounds really scary not knowing what is going on and at such a stressful time when you're just starting 
a new family. I, I'll, I'll never forget. I was due to go on a business trip. You know, this is about a week after, you know, a week or two after I had had the surgery. My arm was, I was still dealing with all this swelling, but I, you know, I still had a job. I still had, I, I still had at that time, you know, I'd gone off. Um, I went off a little bit after diagnosis once I figured I couldn't, I couldn't um, maintain my position of where I was working. You know, I, I'll never forget the phone call. I was due to go on a, on a business trip and my wife called me and said, do not get on that plane there. And they're looking for a DVT, a DVT or a blood clot, basically. Right. They had said to me, do not get she said, do not get on that plane because, it, you know, and, and that was just the type of fear that I was constantly being living with 24 seven as they checked out each thing, you know, each thing within my body. I mean, I was, I was looked at for every rare disease, disease, you know, I mean, they were testing for everything, right? So as you waited for any of those test results to come back, you were living in constant fear, of, you know, what's this mean? What, you know, along with trying to deal with the pain, right? Yeah. And I hate to say this, but I feel like, unfortunately, this is common for a lot of people with chronic pain when they haven't figured out what is happening yet. They see so many people, they get told so many terrifying things. There's all that anxiety of the unknown. And it's, unless you have lived it, it is really difficult to explain how stressful and emotionally and physically taxing that is. So good for you for like, not stopping and you did eventually get an answer, which is incredible. Not everybody does, but can you paint a picture for us of how your life has changed since this pain began affecting you? It's funny because I tell people that, you know, in some ways my life has gotten better <laughs> and it's hard for people to understand that having gone through this. I mean, I was diagnosed 17 years ago, so I've lived with this for 17 years now. It's hard for people to understand that I tell them that even though there's been a lot of change and a lot of that change has been difficult and is hard, uh, you know, some of those, some of that change is very positive too, because it, it's made me appreciate life a lot more now. It's, it's made, allowed me to appreciate every minute that I get with my family and, and the, the small things that you just miss because you're so busy with life. Right. But some of those changes that happened, I mean, I, I'm on, I'm now on permanent disability because I can't work. It's, it's one of those conditions where my symptoms get worse if I have a lot of stress. So I have to, you know, and, and let's face it, you face, stressful situations in day-to-day -day life. So you have to look at, you know, I had to look at the bigger picture, which was, um, you know, and I'll never forget going to see one of the doctors that I was finally, that had finally was able to help me. He said to me, he gave me a piece of advice and said, consider yourself retired now because your full-time job now is taking care of yourself and, and controlling, you know, managing your pain and, trying to, you know, navigate the mental health you know, and not only the, the, the physical side of, of main, managing that pain, but the mental health side of things as well. So try to take out as much stress as you can from your life. So I'm on permanent disability now. It really flipped things upside down in our household because my wife had wanted to be a stay-at-home mom 
And our dream was, you know, have her fulfill her dream of being that stay-at-home mom. And I was now in this role of being able to provide financially for the for the family. You know, I'd worked really hard to get to that point, and 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 we as a couple had worked really hard to put ourselves into that situation of being able to have her stay at home. And now I'm flipped into the role of, of playing Mr. Mom, you know, where I, you know, I'm a stay at home dad and I've had to take on the role of raising the kids while my wife went back to work. You know, disability doesn't cover all of your bills. You know, you get paid a, a pittance of what my salary was. But along with that is, you know, I lost my identity and who and who I had, you know, who I knew myself as and the things that I'd worked so hard, you know, leading up to diagnosis, it was like I had to figure out who I was all over again and what life was going to be like out, you know, after diagnosis. Yeah, I think for a lot of people, when they get that chronic pain experience and they have all these radical life changes, which aren't necessarily by choice, um, that reestablishing your identity and having to adjust the expectations for maybe some of the goals you have, I think that's one of the hardest parts of living with chronic pain for sure. So I can totally sympathize with you there. But you did mention that you did find a doctor who managed to help you. So have you found effective methods for living well or treatments that have really assisted you in your pain management? Yeah, it, it took about two years to, you know, right you know, from, from the start of trying to figure things out and, and going through the circuit of physicians and specialists here in, in Saskatchewan to you know, finally go out to Vancouver, speak to somebody there, work my way back to, you know, to here to, you know, to finally find a a care team that was able, that was able to help me. It's not one doctor, it's a team of people that now look after me. It was really a matter of trying to figure out because they don't know enough about this, about this disease, it was a, it was a matter of trying to figure out what was going to work for me. And so we had to go through a whole host of different um, things. So one of the doctors, I, I have neurostimulators that are implanted that help with blocking the pain signals out that go, that go to my brain. And that's part of this disease is that somehow the wrong pain signals are being sent are being sent to my brain. So that is part of the therapy that's used. But things like um, breathing exercises, meditation, diet, exercise, you know, all of those things are, you know, I've had to tailor for myself. That would be the biggest recommendation probably that I would make a person is, to a person is you have to really try to, you know, I mean, it's going to take some trial and error to, to figure out what works for you to manage your pain. It's, it's that individualized, right? And so I think people in this day and age, people are looking for the quick result. And you're not going, I, I think, you know, as, as frustrated as people get with me, 
I say it's not necessarily, it could take two years, you know, for, for you to reap the benefits of changing some of these things that you need to change in your life. So for me, it was a matter of like diet was a big one for me and it, you know, but that took a radical change in my diet. It meant building in things like um, anti-inflammatory foods and getting rid of any processed and getting, you know, really stripping the diet down to look at, you know, what do I need personally? That, that isn't to say that every form of chronic pain is, is going to be the same, but my advice is that it's a lifestyle is a, a change in lifestyle is what it is. You're looking for things like meditation, foods, exercises, right? When, when we look at that, it's, it's encompassing that in, in order to create change and manage your pain, it's about adapting to a lifestyle. That makes sense. A hundred percent. And I feel like one of our big themes that has been ongoing throughout the podcast is that idea that you mentioned that there's not that one size fits all. There has to be individualized care. What works for one person is going to be a disaster for somebody else. So chronic pain is absolutely a huge practice in patience, which is really hard to deal with. But unfortunately, that is the reality of it. It's one of those things like I had, I I often tell people that at the beginning, I had to go through the grieving stage, right? I had to go through probably four years of anger and, and all those emotional things that I needed to deal with inside before I could truly understand and want to go and create positive change for myself, right? I was, I was so wrapped up in the anger I was feeling or the, you know, or the, what is it, what's this going to mean for me down, you know, down the road. Um, I was so wrapped up in all those personal things and, and had to sort of go through that whole process first and then understand that, oh, hold on here. If I'm going to be, if I'm going to change anything about managing my pain and, and improving my quality of life, then what that means is that I have to do the hard work and I have, I have to be willing to put up with whatever time it takes to create that change. I know you are heavily involved in chronic pain awareness. And earlier this year, you were actually nominated for a number of awards for the advocacy work that you do, which is incredible. So congratulations. And thank you for your service to the chronic pain community. It's so important to have people like you. But will you tell us, how did you get interested in or started in that type of advocacy work? It really came out of advocating for myself, right? I, I, I think, you, you know, for me, it's easy because 17 years ago, this, this disease condition, whatever you want to call it, I mean, <laughs> chronic pain condition is what a lot of people, re, you know, refer to it, right? But um, 17 years ago, there wasn't the help there, right? I had to go looking for the help. I had to be the one, you know, when you go to 10 or 15 physicians and specialists here and nobody can do anything, 
and nobody's willing to do anything, which being honest, you know, there were people that I, that I went to see that basically said, you know, can't do anything for you. Sorry. You know, and that was the way it was left. So, you know, I wasn't willing to just sit back and, and let life pass me by. So it was me going out and advocating for myself and, and pushing to create that change, create that awareness. You know, it took me, I'll never forget when I, when I uh, started CRPS Awareness Day here in the province of Saskatchewan in 2016, I was laying in bed one night and, and it was, uh, you know, it was a really bad pain night. And I just took it upon myself to write the, uh, write the premier a letter to say, you know what, we shouldn't have to suffer like this. And I want, you know, I, I want to see change. I want to see, uh, you know, I want to see people that are dealing with what I'm dealing with. I don't want to see another person go through what I've had to go through for the last 15 years. And that's what drives the passion is me wanting to see that change happen and and through working with some of the non-for-profits that I have and through you know SAS pain and uh, you know all of those thing those initiatives that we have going here in Saskatchewan seeing some of that change start to happen now pushes you even harder to say okay you know what it's taken a long time but we are creating we are creating change we are making a difference i think a lot of people end up in pain and patient advocacy roles after personally seeing the gaps in the system while trying to get their own care and i'm sure there are so many crps patients who are very grateful for what you have done so again thank you for your service to the chronic pain community but in line with the patient perspective what do you wish you could say to clinicians or healthcare providers in the area of pain? It's a tough one because I would. There's a lot of things that I would that I would love to say, um, but but the the biggest thing is um, let me let me be a part of the solution. You know, listen to me and make you know pull me into the fold, and you know because I'm an expert. You know, I'm an expert in living my pain. And if you don't know about the condition or you don't know about chronic pain, then then use me, utilize me and, you know, use your professional background and training to take the information from me, who's the expert that's living it. And let's work together to 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 figure this out and, and see what we need to do to provide better, you know, better treatment. Pain patients as the experts. I love that. And it's so important to have their voices heard and involved in the process, which is one of the reasons why we wanted to call this podcast your partners in pain. It has to be a collaborative effort, but it is hard to know that after so many years of suffering that in a lot of ways, it's always up to the patients to do a lot of the labor to improve care chronic pain patients have spent so much time involved in their own healthcare and trying to make themselves feel better that it seems so unfair to have them continuing investing time and energy in improving it when they already feel unwell. So I do hope that 
a podcast like this can, you know, make it just a little bit easier for people. So they're not always down on the front lines, writing letters to premiers, which I wish we didn't have to do. But again, I thank you for that. But on that note, do you have anything to say to someone who has just been diagnosed with CRPS and are possibly feeling overwhelmed? Uh, Yeah, don't give up hope. Don't give up hope and keep, you know, be your own advocate. You know, like like I I think it goes back to what I was saying. You feel a lot of anger. You feel you you have so many emotions going on at the time that you're that you're diagnosed. And and let's face it, hearing a diagnose a, a diagnosis of CRPS, there's no cure. There's nothing that's you know. There's no real formal treatment. There, you know. I mean, to hear the news that you get when when you're diagnosed with something like CRPS. And I use CRPS because I think it's a good example of, you know, uh, where you where you feel that that hopelessness and, um, you know, you get a lot of emotion that comes through through you because because you want to give up. Right. You, you don't know. Um, they, they've nicknamed this disease the suicide disease because it's so painful that people give up and people commit suicide over it and, and, and their lives. And, and it's sad. And, and, you know, because, and and so that's why I say, don't give up hope. I I think the biggest thing there's, there's a, there's people here um, like myself, there's different um, professional people that you can go see there. There's lots of people here that can, that can help you walk through it. Right. That can get you, you know, I, I think that was my biggest thing is I felt so alone when I was uh, when I was newly diagnosed that I was going to be facing this all on my, uh, you know, all on my lonesome and and that I wouldn't have anyone, you know, and now I've got so many different friends through all of this. And so when I'm feeling bad, I can, you know, I can call them up and I can say, or I can text them or I can send them that email to say, you know what, I need some encouragement today because it's been a hard day. I, you know, I can't manage my symptoms and, and you're this just, I mean, just having that person there for you to support you and um, help you is, is, I mean, it's just priceless. That solidarity and social support, it's so essential to all healing activities and just feeling well in general, whether it's chronic pain or any health experience that someone is having. And in my experience, when someone does get a new diagnosis or label, many of us end up on that Dr. Google wormhole because we aren't being given a lot of pain education or options for treatment. And it's scary and it's isolating. So it is always so important to remember that there are always like more options to the story than just accepting the diagnosis you've received. And you don't have to accept that you are going to live a limited life because there are always options. We are almost out of time here. So would you like to mention anything else we haven't discussed yet today, Ross? I I think the biggest thing, the biggest thing I'd want to say recommend is as people with lived experience, your life is valuable and you have you have to fight for treatment you but let's work together and let's you know let's not criticize one another and let's work together to 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 find solutions to some of the to some of these 
issues that we face, um, you know, not just here in our province, but, you know, uh, across Canada and around the world. Excellent. Yes, those are awesome parting words. And since this is a Saskatchewan-based podcast, would you be willing to share with us what one of your favorite things about living in the province is? I would have to say my cottage out at Echo Lake is uh, just, it's my happy place. It's where I go when everything is weighing heavy on me and I can get out of the city and just feel like I am in a completely different place. It allows me to relax and decompress. And, you know, when I, especially when I'm having a hard time, it's, it's just good to go and get that refreshing change of scenery and, and know that the next, you know, uh, that I'm able to just, just forget what's going on for, for half a minute, even though I can't get rid of the pain, I can certainly get rid of some, some of the mental anxiety that that's, that's going on, you know, at, at that time. Absolutely. That sounds awesome. Thank you, Ross. Thanks for having me. Again, I want to thank Ross for his bravery in sharing his incredible story with us today. If anyone would like to contact Ross directly, you can find him all over social media, such as on Instagram and Twitter at Rosco006. That is R-O-S-S-C-O-006, as well as on his website and Facebook pages by Googling Painfully Optimistic. Lastly, by the time this episode is released, we will be in the full swing of Neuropathic Pain Awareness Month in Canada. Given this, we invite you to learn more about CRPS and follow the newly minted hashtag GetLoudForCRPS to continue to raise awareness and share information for those struggling with this condition. Thank you for listening to Your Partners in Pain, a podcast for people experiencing pain, and those who help individuals living with pain. Funding for this podcast was provided by the Saskatchewan Community Initiatives Fund and the Saskatchewan Pain Society. For more information about our organization or to find additional resources, please find us on social media at SASPain or visit our official website, www.saspain.ca.